Coming up, how do we make marketing simpler? And do we even need to? We'll find out as I interview Roger Edwards. This is Marketed Not Live, the show that dives deeper into the ideas, philosophies and strategies of the best marketing minds. Here's your host, Biz Paul. Welcome back to Marketed Not Live, the official podcast of the Marketed family of events, which includes not only our fantastic live event, which sadly has been postponed until September 2021, but also includes our new week-long learning event, Marketed Light, taking place on week commencing the 21st of September 2020. Now, I'm your host, Biz Paul. Together, we are going to navigate the ever-changing world of marketing. You know when you use a product or service and the people are just the best? Well, that's how I think about the team at Captivate, our podcast sponsor. I can be a bit of a dumbass when it comes to the bleeding obvious, but the support team at Captivate never make me feel stupid. They simply help. I love chatting to the team. I have got to know them really quite well uh, over the years and uh, they're just so helpful in onboarding me as a customer, but also just general chit chat. So go and have a look at Captivate.fm. Go and talk to the peeps involved whilst you're there. How complicated actually is marketing? Sometimes I think that people make it extremely complicated. You know, obviously there are marketing degrees and master's degrees. There's lots of theory. Of course, there's psychology, technology is involved, thinking about use of language and how we get better at that. These are all definite skills that we need to learn and I'm not suggesting for a moment that marketing is easy because it's bloody well not. But are the best marketers the ones with lots of qualifications? I don't necessarily think so and in fact there's lots of examples you just have to look online at some really successful marketing people who didn't even start out as marketers. It's an interesting change in people's careers and how they've learned the things that they've learned. I always think it's really quite fascinating the many different journeys that people have gone on. And when I talk to people who come to Marketed Live and part of our community, everyone's journey is different and it's really fascinating to see where people come from. At LightMind Media, we did a piece of research recently about the challenges that marketing managers in particular have. And what's been really interesting when I talk to those people when I talk to the marketed live community and anyone else who works in the industry frankly is is that at the very top of people's concerns and the challenges they have is about proving their worth demonstrating ROI it's always there and it's like we have to defend what it is that that we're doing I wonder if some of that is actually down to a lack of understanding from other people I mean let's face it who hasn't had to have that conversation with a relative that starts off with saying, so what is it that you actually do? But the same is true within businesses as well. If you talk to senior stakeholders, leaders within a business where you're trying to justify what it is that you're doing, perhaps it's because we generally overcomplicate it and maybe we overcomplicate it because then it sounds clever and it helps us justify our positions. I'm thinking that perhaps we need to simplify. Not dumb down, but just just simplify. 
So what do we need to do? Well, I think it's partly about being conscious of our internal audiences. I think that's a start, but it's also about honesty. We don't need to inflate our language necessarily to be acknowledged. I think we can help everyone understand the value of marketing by bringing them into our world. So let's listen and see how we might be able to do that with my interview with Roger Edwards. Roger Edwards helps people keep their marketing simple in a world where, as he puts it, business bullshit and complexity threatens to stifle success. And I have to say, I'm inclined to agree. He's an experienced marketing professional who helps businesses with their marketing strategy, content and social media. And he's clocked up many years in the big corporate world as a marketing director of several UK financial services brands before getting out of all that and starting his own consultancy. Now, he uses his expertise to guide clients in designing, engaging campaigns, and is known as a prolific content creator and podcaster and as a speaker. And that is where I first knew him from. Uh, he also has his own podcast called uh, the, well, it's a, an award-winning marketing and finance podcast. We'll talk to him maybe a little bit about that later. But what is really interesting about Roger is some of his extracurricular activities. He's a qualified yoga and exercise teacher. And I know that mainly from uh, viewing his Instagram and seeing him uh, do it on a Saturday morning. Well, not seeing him doing it, but uh, walking down the, the seafront and all that kind of stuff. So um, we'll talk to uh, Roger and uh, we will say hello, Roger. Welcome to the podcast. Hi Paul, thanks very much for having me on the show. Great to be here. It's lovely to talk to you, Roger. I've uh, we've obviously met in real life uh, anyway, but um, I first came across you, I think, through the Content Marketing Academy. That's right. And uh, I was always intrigued by these trips to the uh, seafront on <laughs> with your coffee. Yeah, um, yeah. How? <laughs> I've got lots of questions about coffee and about yoga, but um, maybe <laughs> maybe give us a little bit of your uh, extended background in terms of that experience in particular in, in marketing in the corporate world and how that has formed your opinion on what marketing is like today. Yeah, no, thanks for that. I, I, I've been a career, I would describe myself as a career marketer. I, I went to university, I did a degree, which was like a combination of economics and marketing. And marketing was all I ever wanted to do. And when I came out of my um, university years, they, they used to have this thing called the milk round. I can't remember what it's called, whether it's called the milk round now, but it's basically where you go for an interview for all sorts of different companies. And I applied for just about every marketing job that I could see. And the job that I originally got was in a financial services firm. Um, now, in hindsight, I guess, I probably wouldn't have chosen financial services as my as my uh, first choice if, if I'd have had it again. But in those days, it was a good opening and, and in I went. And, and, and I just basically climbed the ladder from marketing assistant product manager product marketing manager and o over the, over the years i did rise up to marketing director but i guess it was a combination of the fact that it was a fairly big company that i started in and it was also uk financial services which as you know is is a complicated industry absolutely littered with complicated language and complicated products and compl complicated processes and right from the start, I sort of could see this through that possibly quite naive at the at the start marketing lens that I'd 
had put over my eyes at university. And I started to think, well, this is just nuts, isn't it? Why is everything so complicated? Um, and, and I guess over the years, I started building more and more resistance to this as various things happened, like being in strategy away days in, in, in manor houses in the middle of nowhere, putting post-it notes on walls and rearranging them and coming up with strategies, down to experiences where I was told to rewrite literature because it was too chatty and too, uh, and, and too like the way people talk, which to me was exactly what it should be. And... and over the years, um, my passion for simplicity and, and, and passion for keeping marketing simple just grew and grew. And I guess towards the, the end of the 1990s, the early 2000s, when the internet became much more powerful and we, used to, we started getting access to digital marketing technology and platforms and techniques, social media came along, I started getting really into this and, and really wanting to explore how we could engage the customer using this technology and again financial services very risk averse lots of compliance and regulatory processes in place it was almost like oh we don't want to use video we don't want to be using social media too risky we might break the rules and and it just became increasingly stifling and eventually i, I got an opportunity this is going back 2012 now to leave and, and set up my own consultancy with the aim of working with companies that actually did want to embrace digital marketing platforms and technology and, and processes and, and that's what I've been doing since and, and it's been it's probably been the best time of my career uh, and I'm very pleased that I actually did it possibly I'd be looking back I think maybe it would have been nicer to have got out of big corporate earlier but then again, I think the circumstances were perfectly right because that's the way the internet and the and digital marketing had developed up until that point. I, I speak to a lot of people who sort of I say the same thing really about big corporate and oh, I wish I'd have got out of it, I got out of it sooner. Um, but I think it's interesting what you're saying about that resistance there because I guess a lot of our audience would have sympathy with with that and maybe being in a similar situation where maybe they're working with a senior leadership team or perhaps um, a client that has said, oh no, that's that's too chatty or, um, or, or or you know it must contain this. And I've worked with accountants where you're absolutely right they're petrified of breaking um, financial conduct authority rules and have said things like well we can't tweet because um, we have to put in this this phrase or this sentence at the end of every tweet for, for compliance so that's that must be a, a real challenge I think it is also used as an excuse as opposed to a genuine fear um, the compliance process again within financial services I'd have, I've had loads of people say to me well, we can't do that but then you'll actually sit back and say well you know talk me through why we can't do that and often it's more there built in fear of breaking the rules so they'll actually almost like platen and plate the rules rather than actually try to work within them and, and quite a lot of the time you know it, it's total nonsense that the language has to be passive and it has to be bloated and full of you know big sentences and big paragraphs the consumer the customer the man on the street likes simplicity um, and that's what we should be giving them obviously within the rules but if you use the rules as an excuse you'll never do it 
if you try to work with the rules to give the customer what they need, then you will find a way. So for somebody who is in that situation where they're being asked to um, stick, you know, quote unquote, stick to the rules or, mm. or get some resistance to more conversational style of language, perhaps, what would your advice be to them in terms of guiding their client or their senior leadership towards a, a more simplified set of language or more simplified piece of marketing? Oh, I've been through all sorts of different iterations of this. I mean, I, the, the biggest memory comes to, me, to mind. I, I did a focus group for, a, for an investment bond type of product, and, and it was quite complicated. And the language was horrible. And the focus group said that. They said, it's gobbledygook. We don't understand a word of it. So I went away as marketing manager, had it rewritten in plain English, took it back out to focus groups. They said, fantastic. We like it. We understand it. But then the leadership team said, it's too chatty. It makes us look unprofessional. And that I use the word unprofessional in inverted commas because I don't actually know what professional really means. But in the end, the leadership team said, no, go back to the version that everybody said was bloated and crap and, un and unintelligible. And you're sitting there thinking, this is just madness. You want me to produce a brochure which we know won't engage the customer. But at that stage, I, I didn't really feel as if I was... Um, I was going to say senior enough, but that, that's not, I, I, I probably didn't have the experience to challenge enough. So I put up with it. And of course, it didn't work. So I, I, I think you've just got to maybe flip it and start thinking about the business benefits because the people at the top table, on the whole, I mean, as, as you know, Paul, these days, quite often there aren't marketing people on the board, which is a real shame. Mm. But if you can couch it in terms of business results, look, if we put this brochure out, which is full of bloated language, which is full of jargon, which basically people won't read, then it's not going to increase the business that we that we do. It's not going to add to the bottom line. But if we do the chatty version, which we know engages customers, and I know that that you might feel it's a little bit uncomfortable and you might feel that it's unprofessional, whatever that means, but we can get more business through the door, increase our revenue, increase our profit, whatever that might be, by focusing on that. So I think that if you are faced with non-marketing people challenging you on these things, it's probably better to turn it into a business result as opposed to arguing about, well, it's, a, it, it's marketing and it's better for the customer. Turn it into money and, and and often that that especially if there's a lot of accountants and in financial services actuaries on the board then that's the language you probably need to talk i'm not saying it's easy i mean i've been tr i've been fighting against this stuff for 25 years um but i think that if you believe that it will help the customer engage with you your company and your brand then it's something worth being tenacious over and I suppose in a way that is about understanding the internal audience as well as the external audience, i.e. the potential clients. Um, would you say that that has changed over the years? Are you seeing uh, much more interest and acceptance of a more conversational style or a less formal style in, in that particular sector? It, do you know, it's still quite hard. Um, I obviously do quite a lot of work still with financial services companies, and I find that the bigger the company, the harder it is 
to actually get them to change. Um, I was uh, asked to do a piece of work for a, a fairly large financial services company in Edinburgh last year, and the brief was was something like, we don't think our marketing team are uh, creative enough. Uh, we think you're a creative person. Can you come in and help them be creative? Now that's a nasty brief, isn't it? Because you in, immediately implies criticism of the existing team. And there's nothing worse for a, a team in a company to face somebody from outside coming in to tell them that they're not doing their job properly. So I always get a bit nervous about that sort of brief. But I went in and within literally within five minutes, it was perfectly obvious that these people were as creative as anybody else. They had great ideas, but it was the institutions of that company, the processes within that company, the regulations within that company that stifled any creativity that they had. So they might come up with a great idea, but they would always, oh, I like the idea, but my only concern is, oh, we couldn't do this because all oh, the IT infrastructure won't let us do it. So they just get bashed back. Any idea they put forward is bashed back. And eventually, they stop putting the ideas forward because they don't think they'll get through. So that's not people not being creative. It's just the institutions of the business stopping them from fulfilling on their creative ideas. Some of the institutions that I'm thinking about as we're talking, um, like like banks, I, I guess. Mm. Now, mm. big banks, the big four or five or however many there are now, um, the way that they seem to talk to their consumers i guess um i suppose I, I would say possibly the same with their business customers as well certainly in recent times and again i'm thinking about the pandemic in particular at this point mm -hmm. the way that they talk seems to me to be much more conversational than it than it was um my father actually was a bank manager for natwest for 35 years wow. and and it was very very formal um during my childhood i just i just remember it uh, it always reminds me of mary poppins and when they go into the bank and how formal that is and i suppose they've all been on this journey but now they seem to be very conversational and very much about helping you and helping you this and um and they're all doing you know the, the adverts the commercials with the more socially distanced and at home working from home mm -hmm. that that isn't a change that's just come about from the pandemic though is it there, there's definitely been some progress there yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's easy for me to say that uh, that financial services is um, is is slow and and doesn't change, but it has a lot over the last ten years. It's just taken a lot longer than perhaps you know a more nimble company. Um, what I think has happened in the pandemic is two things. First of all, a lot of companies have had to do things very very quickly really quickly you know they've you know, insurance companies have had to change their assessment procedures literally within a, within weeks days even whereas previously it might have taken them a year to 18 months to get these processes changed so the, the pandemic has proved to these companies that they can be nimble even if it means some sort of uh, fast track through whatever their process is but i think that there is gradual change um, and I'd like to think that in some of the companies that I've worked in, I've been responsible for that gradual change. But the overall feeling I always have is it is slower in that sector than it is everywhere else. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can I can understand that. I suppose if there are regulations, uh, how much do you think uh, the changes in technology and platforms have impacted on that rate of change? 
I think that it's interesting I think that when you're a marketing person like you and I we get incredibly excited by technology and by these platforms and and it's our it's our instant desire to check it out and to see how we can use it to engage with customers so along along comes TikTok and we think yeah we've got to jump on <laughs> along along comes something else yes we've got to jump onto that we need to be doing video I I, I think again a lot of these companies a lot of my, a lot of what I see happening in, in um, marketing teams today is that perhaps there's too much conversation going on about those bits of technology and it's very tactical so yes you can use TikTok if your particular customer is a TikTok user uh, it's very likely that if you're a financial services company that TikTok is definitely not going to be <laughs> uh, you know populated with your customers but I think that the danger is that all of a sudden having access to all this fabulous technology which, which allows us to do communications cheaply and and in a quality way that even as short as five to ten years ago would have cost us hundreds of thousands of pounds as opposed to hundreds of pounds that it would today the the, the danger is that you go straight into those tactical executions and and a lot of what the companies still need to do is almost to go back to that strategic view and say well okay hold on a second who's our customer and what's the problem that they face and what does our product service offer do to solve that problem that they have and and, and how has that offer changed as a result of say COVID-19 or as a result of global economic situations and and do we need to alter that offer and, and then we can use that digital technology to communicate how the offer's changed if it's changed at all and whilst i do love all of this technology and i'm as guilty as everybody else as desperately wanting to try it out and get tactical you always have to remind yourself to sit back and say no 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 let's be strategic first and just make sure that what we as a company want to achieve whether it's a mission or a vision or if you want to get into that sort of area let's do that strategic bit before we dive into the tactics because of, often the tactics don't work unless you've got that strategic bit verified you've written a, a book uh, cats mats and marketing plans and i feel very privileged to have uh, been sent an advanced copy of that and uh, i've read it and uh, you know i've given you some feedback on it but uh, i think the thing that really st- strikes out at me is how you've been able to bring your experience into this book and, and, and really fits your mantra of the thing that we're talking about to, today, about yeah. uh, going back to, to the basic principles, regardless of the platforms and the technology used, exactly what you were just saying. Yeah. And I think it's an excellent book, actually, for anyone who, um, I, I guess for me, anyone who's maybe come into the world of marketing, maybe hasn't um, uh, you know, done a, a master's in marketing or you know, what, what, whatever. I think it's a great way of summarizing those principles that you're talking about. Um, what was your idea about writing the book? Why did you write the book? Um, and what are the, the key things that you're hoping to get from, from publishing this book? I think you're absolutely right. It, was aim, it, it is aimed at people who probably haven't done a marketing degree and, and, and probably aimed at people who find themselves doing a marketing job in a company without a marketing background. And, and having done marketing academically and having done marketing 
in quite senior roles within corporates, I've always been very aware of that sort of academic again it's jargon isn't it that surrounds marketing so if you go if you were to to look if you were in that position you know you suddenly get marketing um, responsibility but without a marketing background you might go and research what's out there you might look at marketing weeks M, you know mini mba course which is very very good but it's very traditional in its in its uh, uh, components and and you'll see things like well you've got to do research you've got to do customer orientation you've got to do targeting segmentation positioning you've got to do pricing product place promotion brand and all of that and, and it and it just sounds like there's just so much to it and, and there is obviously it's a big discipline and and i guess that over the years having sat in loads of strategy days and and, and meetings in big corporates where that sort of language has been used and people glaze over and then layer on top of that things like swot analysis you know whatever that stands for i keep always forget strengths weaknesses opportunities and threats and pest analysis and the academic things like boston grids and maslow's hierarchy <laughs> of needs you know it, it, it people glaze over and and because i'd got this sort of obsession with keeping marketing simple within the companies that i was working for it just felt that it was right to come up with a simple model so cats mats and marketing plans is about putting together a marketing strategy and i was desperately trying to avoid using the word strategy because i know that it, it sort of turns people off and can I boil or, or reduce all of that research positioning targeting price product place and all of that down to effectively what is an offer a goal or goals and then the activity and and, and I guess the activity is what a lot of people would traditionally think of as marketing i.e that's the communication bit the content the social media the advertising but the other bits are the sort of the more academic, the strategy bits. And I think if you've got an offer and you've got goals and you've got your activity plan, then you have got a marketing strategy, but you haven't really delved into all of those academic depths that you would do if you were to go to university or, or, or do a or do a degree on it. So that, that was really the motivation. Uh, and, and, and I guess since I left big corporate and started doing a lot more conference speeches, and meeting a lot of people at conferences again who were doing a marketing role without having a marketing background it just seemed to me that they were crying out for simplicity not only of of the process itself but also again once they've got their you know they've, they've got that knowledge putting it into practice and keeping it simple as they start communicating with their customers i think that's fair i mean i think uh, the 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 sexy stuff is the like i said some you know some of the fancy graphics and the TikToks and let's let's look at how creative we are here but mm. there are some fundamentals to do with positioning and uh, market research which you know you talk about in the book um, and I think is absolutely imperative to understanding who you're actually delivering something for and, and even whether or not the product or service that you're creating mm. has any kind of market absolutely and and again you know, I can remember early in my career, I, I, one of my first ever marketing managers was an absolute stickler for research. I mean, he was, everything had to be, even if we did a one-page sales aid or a one-page handout, he would have us research it. 
almost to focus group level. He was so obsessed with getting it right. And, and at the time, you know, I was thinking, oh, for the love of God, let's just print the damn thing. And, and again, younger, naive at the time, I just wanted to get on and do the sexy stuff, which was getting it printed, getting it out there. But he was right, because ultimately, everything that did get printed on the whole, because it had been researched, absolutely resonated with the end customer. So it, it, it's lessons like that, that I hope to try to put across in the book in a simple way to, to make people think, yeah, I, I do need to have a look at some of these more academic elements of marketing in order for the exciting stuff to work even better. I think it's a really great section of the book, actually, Roger, in terms of that, because, as I say, I think people overlook the research element because it's not it's not very sexy and it's time consuming. And and but but running a focus group or actually having a conversation with potential customers tell you all sorts. And I remember being um, in my student days part of I would I would get paid uh, to be part of focus groups because you know you, you take any money that you can get yeah. um, and I remember being in a focus group for Yorkshire tea oh, right. and I only went because I thought they'd be making lots of tea and that we'd get to drink tea and all this kind of stuff well we didn't at all they were just asking us questions about how we felt about certain things and uh, we got to watch a few adverts and what, what did we prefer but I always remember from from those sessions even the fact that they were asking the questions that I felt that they were interested Mm, mm, absolutely right I think again this is you know I, I don't do much traveling at the moment like most people aren't doing <laughs> much traveling at the moment but before COVID I, I was often pretty much on planes and trains pretty much every week and it, it always makes me laugh that you know literally within a minute of stepping off an EasyJet flight or a BA flight there'd be an email in your inbox asking you to answer a survey about what you thought of the flight and on the whole, it's all very quantitative. So rank one out of 10 cleanliness of the plane, rank one out of 10 legroom, rank one out of 10 friendliness of the staff. So all the, they're, they're gonna get some good data and they're gonna be able to see what people's views are of their service, but that where's the insight? The insight comes from like what you've just described there of actually asking people, how do you feel about being on an EasyJet flight, what, how, what does the, the legroom or the seat, how, how comfortable is it? And ask them to describe that. And you can't do that in a quantitative email. All you're gonna get is data points. And I'm not saying that that's bad. Yes, it, it, it's good. But to get the real insights as to how you can improve your offering, you've got to show that you, you, you're interested and you care. And you've got to ask those often quite emotional questions to really get at the heart of what people think and that's where you're probably going to find the inspiration to develop something whether it's a tweak to your product or a new product or a service which will actually give you a massive advantage over your customers i think that's where the insight comes from and you can't get those insights without doing proper research very wise words now i've got to ask you cats mats and marketing plans yes where does the title come from well um, it's not a very conventional title and lots of people <laughs> lots of people said to me oh Roger for goodness sake nobody's ever going to search for that on, on Amazon it's going to be a major problem for you you've got to call it marketing for dummies or the marketing book or something like that the bottom line is Paul I, I've written this book mainly from the point of view of it being a, a calling card for me for my 
conference appearances if if they ever come back um, and and workshops and and to 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 use it with my network and to use it with people that i know i'm under no impression that it's going to be a massive bestseller on amazon so i just wanted to keep the 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 theme of simplicity and there's a there's a skit that i do in my talks that i've been doing for years which demonstrates why the power of simplicity and and, and i basically say to people in the audience um, imagine that you're in your first day at a new company and for the sake of argument this is called the cat mat company and it's easy to work out what this company do they make mats for cats to sit on and I'm the managing director and I'm going to teach you the strap line of this company and it's so simple and it's so wonderful that I can guarantee that if I put it upon the screen even only for five seconds you'll all be able to learn it in five seconds and if I then blank the screen I can guarantee you can all say it back to me and I do this and, the, and it comes upon the screen your cat sat on our mat and that's the strap line of the company and and of course I blank the screen and I count down from three to one and everybody in the audience hopefully shouts it back on the whole everybody has done that every time I've done <laughs> it uh, and then progressively I said okay well that that's what happens when you've got a young nimble company that focuses on simplicity and focuses on the customer but then I sort of let's consider how that would look in a company that's grown so then it becomes a passive sentence or so our mat was sat on by your cat <laughs> you, you you can still remember that but it's it's not got that not that bite and then the next one is when the product line has been become more diversified so uh, our cat was sat on by your mat whilst eating a bowl full of fishy munchies <laughs> and, and and people can't shout that back to you as mm. easily because it takes more to remember and then i just take them and then the last one is is big corporate and it's about a whole page of stuff about iso 2525 and technical and and the definition of mats and the definition of cats and and lots of things about in, inclusivity and exclusivity and it's just an entire page and by then everybody in the audience is usually just getting it and 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 it's become that sort of signature bit Mm -hmm. of what i do and i just wanted to use that somehow in the title Uh, plus the fact that i'm an absolute mega cat fan we've we've always had cats in the family um and the uh the cat that appears on the mat in the slides that I use for my presentation is my actual cat, rather than a, rather than a piece of uh, of stock footage. So that's it. So yeah, that that that's the whole thing. It's just sort of part of the story. Well, it's a really great story, and it's a it's a, a useful analogy actually in terms of what you're trying to get across in the book. And I think that you succeed in in getting that across in the book. Um, so I would definitely encourage people when it's available to go and have a look on Amazon. We will um, put a link in the show notes at the point when it's available to download, so that people can go and take a look at it. Um, Roger, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's been really interesting to to talk about this simplicity because I think, like you, people do tend to overcomplicate things and that's not always thinking about the target audience in in question. So I think that is a lesson for for everybody. Um, Where can people get hold of you or reach out to you if they want to dive into this in a little bit more detail? Yeah, the website is rogeredwards.co.uk, quite easy to re- remember. And on social media, I'm probably most 
prolific on Twitter, and that's Roger underscore Edwards. So either look me up on the website or check me out on Twitter. Wonderful. Thank you for talking to us today, Roger. Great, Paul. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for another episode. My thanks goes to Roger for just making marketing simpler, really. Do go and check out his book. Let me know what you think of it by tweeting us at Marketed Live. Don't forget to check out details of all the events that we've got coming on, and uh, which is going to happen you know, from now until well, September 2021 at least. We've got lots in the pipeline, lots coming up as well. Uh, I'd really appreciate it as well if you could share the message about Marketed Live and what we're trying to do and about this podcast and everything, <laughs> frankly, because, you know, it's, word of mouth is still a really important thing. Um, but until next time, thank you for listening. As always, our producer is Charlie Thacker, and this is a Light Mind Media production for Marketed Live. You've been listening to the Marketed Not Live podcast. Want to go even deeper? Then book your ticket to one of our events where you'll learn more about specific ideas, strategies and practical ways to improve the results you get from your marketing activity. Visit marketed.live for what's on and how to book.